Sometimes life feels out of our control. We get stuck in trauma, old patterns, and change feels out of reach. Sometimes it feels like fate. We want to help you break out of old, unhelpful patterns and become healthier. We're fate resilience, taking control of the outcome. With licensed therapists, Jennifer Oxford, Taylor Madsen, Haley Mayer. We are in our, is this the final segment of Stages of Change thing? Goodness. Yes. Um, okay, so we're there. Uh, we're going to talk about maintenance and a little bit about relapse. We've mentioned relapse throughout these episodes and we've kind of gone into it a bit, um, but we felt that this would be just a good space to kind of bring those two together rather than have two more episodes uh, or one more episode, we figured we could put them together. Um, so when it comes to maintenance and stages of change, we know that as the final destination of where, sorry, my dog was moaning. <laughs> she she does that when she turns over, she goes, ah, and I'm like, I feel you. Um, so when you are going towards the stages of change, we often think maintenance is where I want to end up, right? Which is great. Still a good thing. Um, but relapse is a big part of those kinds of things. And so I guess, where do we want to start when we're explaining, um, maintenance first? You're in action for at least six months. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like, and- sounds like when you finally determined the relationship, your, your DTR is there and you know what you're doing with your stages of change. So there you go. And it's not just a short-term thing. It's not like I'm just getting through or white knuckling. It's this, I, this is now a lifestyle change in which I'm going to go through. So, um, you know, there's the type of recovery where from like an injury or an illness, it's a short-term thing. We put some place things in place, like maybe you're taking an antibiotic or you need to rest more, you need to do physical therapy. And then that ends. That's, that's one type of recovery. But when we come to um, long-term recovery of behaviors that weren't serving us, it means that we have implemented long-term changes. So new patterns, we've talked about habit loops that support this change long-term. And so this might mean um, I've changed, you know, the way I drive to work my friends have changed. Um, I now consistently go to therapy on this day and, um, I'm usually reading books on, you know, what I can do to change. So there's this active part that if you look at your life, your life now supports the change and it gives you a permission to say, okay, this is who I am now. It's very much part of like, I've identified and valued differently. And we've talked about values in past podcasts. So it's important to realize that values do need to be reevaluated and they are a sign of when we've reached maintenance. We mentioned the book Atomic Habits quite a bit earlier, um, going along with stages of change because it, it doesn't state always like, hey, this is a stages of change book, but it's an amazing book that's short, <laughs> which I love. Um, I think it's also only like six hours on uh, Audible, so re-listening to that right now. So that's been nice to see. It's not too long, but it keeps mentioning like what you were saying, Jen, it's the idea of this is, this is like who I am now. Like it mentions, am I, I am a gym goer. That doesn't mean I have to be a gym goer who goes an hour every day. I am a gym goer, meaning I go at least 10 minutes each day right? Or five minutes each day. That still makes me a gym goer. So it kind of helps like with what you're stating about values and like being in maintenance and what does that mean? And like, how do I now see myself and how I do my actions? You've now like, not, 
we always often say like, don't personify yourself based off all these different things, but it's okay to state like, I am someone who this is part of my value system. This is part of my goals. And I now like align myself and saying, not like I try to go to the gym once a day. I'm a gym goer. So sometimes I'm not going to always make it, but I know that it's consistently a part of my, um, part of my habits. And so if I have reached that stage of change where I'm looking for a healthier lifestyle, I'm just saying this one, cause it's mentioned a lot in the book, but there's so many other examples, but if my value system is, I want to be an active person who's learning how to move with my body and move to create good changes or create good, um, feelings. Um, the gym is something that I do. And so it's just a part of who I am, um, of just my values, not so much that I need to identify myself as like a gym bro, right. Or gym rat. Right. <laughs> but in the I'm sense totally of going to call you that now, Haley. I'm a gym rat, you know, no, people, <laughs> people are going to see me and be like, she's not a gym rat. <laughs> so don't want to personify myself in that way. But it's one of those things where, yeah, part of maintenance is allowing some of those actions like healthy eating. You know, Jen, you've talked a lot about your nutritional journey of what can I do to be, you know, I'm a healthy eater. Does that mean that every single thing I eat is technically in the healthy range? No, but it means that my overall goal of what I do and the reason I do things is within that identity, right? Yeah, I was thinking, because I started my health journey um, a little over four years ago, and I was thinking about when I go to Costco now and what I buy, like, and Mm -hmm. it's just changed. It's just different than it used to be, right? So when I go to Costco, I always go into the vegetable section. I eat vegetables every day. I eat three servings of vegetables every day, no matter whether I'm on vacation or what. And it's not, I used to just eat like potatoes and corn. So like, they're delicious. those aren't vegetables. Because those, <laughs> corn is a vegetable. Day when I, found that I know, out. I'm like, that's sugar and starch. That's not vegetable. <laughs> right. So now, like, if you look at my grocery cart, like I, I'm either going to buy asparagus or zucchini or um, my husband really likes lettuce, but I'm not a big salad person all the time unless the restaurant makes it. I love restaurant salads. Ooh, I like the lettuce or I like the salads though that are more like a cabbage kind of like just something more to it kind of Taylor's looking at me like ew. I hate cabbage. <laughs> I like it when it's like cut up enough. But anyways, yeah. yeah no, but I was gonna sense. say, and now that I'm in Texas, I've learned to love green beans because they didn't sell them at the Costco in Utah like I used to have. But they did, so but they tasted awful. So yeah, maybe that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I always have cucumbers in my fridge. If I'm gonna snack, it's gonna be like sugar-free jello. That's just what I buy. Like those are if you're like, what's in your regular cart purchase from Walmart? That's what there is. Mm-hmm. Now, in all fairness, when I go on vacation, I sometimes go and get something that um, you know, I'll maybe I'll try something I've never tried before. I absolutely eat desserts on vacation and every once in a while when I'm at home, but I don't bring it to my house and just store it as in like, you know, I used to be somebody, we had a candy shelf, like a snack shelf mm-hmm. before, and it had all the chips and the cookies and all the good stuff. And we just don't have it anymore. And it's not, it's because we've changed the way we eat to support the value. And because I want to live longer. Right. Yeah. No, I, I like what you're stating too, because what I like about it and what I often tell people is the idea of like, just because I enjoy a treat on vacation, it doesn't mean that that's now the only thing I eat, right? It's being, having a treat on vacation doesn't disrupt my maintenance as long as I'm not making it so that that choice now 
overflows everything, right? I think there's a difference between having a conscious treat and then what we're going to get into is a relapse in behaviors, right? And so you can make that conscious choice of saying, you know what? It's within my sugar count that I'm having today. It's within, you know, I know I'm going to be doing A, B, and C. Like there were times that when I've been on vacation, um, for me and carbs, like I've had like a weird relationship with them where originally it was like, you know, no carbs at all. And then it was like, oh, carbs are still good. I should just, you know, go with them. And now I'm like, okay, I realized I don't feel good if I overdo that. Um, my, you know, for me personally, I've seen a lot of studies of like humans, just the overprocessing of them. It's just not great. And it makes it really hard for me to be able to function and do the things I need to. So they're going on vacation. My aunt is an amazing cook and, you know, she'll have bread with her dinner. And usually I wouldn't, but in that situation, I was like, okay, it's in moderation. I'm not eating a loaf of bread. Would I like to? Yes, but I'm not eating a loaf of bread. It's going along with this other meal. I'm probably not going to eat, you know, bread the next morning for breakfast anyways, because I'm going to do maybe protein and then some different things with it. So this works. Now, if I took that and I then said, well, because I ate it, then I'm going to continue to do it going forward. For me, that would be almost like a relapse in my health journey of what I've considered nutrition, because I've got myself in a really good balance. And then all of a sudden, if I use that one situation to say, and now I don't have to do this anymore, rather than saying, you know, I can healthily conscientiously make a decision. I can do this and continue to live the way I like to, if I change it and say, now going forward, I'm going to continue to do this every meal. I've now changed it for maintenance and going outside of that. Right. Well, and one of the things that I love about talking about that is that, uh, that relapse is a disruption in the change process. It's, it's a longer term thing. And there's a couple things that will trigger a relapse um, from this standpoint. And I'm not talking about a behavior. I'm talking about things that actually influence people to actually stop the change process or disrupt it. One of them is stress. Like, Mm -hmm. so if you have a huge life change um, and something really stressful is going on, and you don't have a plan for how to manage that stress and you're not doing it well, it's very likely that your brain will go back to old patterns, right? That it finds comfortable and reassuring. So it's it's not a matter of you're bad and I'm you're not, like, you can't change or that you're a failure. It's just a matter of, oh, there's this new stress in my life I need to learn to manage differently. Yeah. Another thing that is a huge, um, uh, huge part of when we might go into a relapse or, or pause or regression in the change process is when there's a change in our support system, right? So I, um, I saw when we, we did our move last year, you know, and not having all the same people around, I felt more stress. I needed, you know, to tie into things differently and I had to adjust to maintain my goals and my progress. And it, it was difficult. And so if you find that, um, going on. And if you look at the list of like some of the most major changes in our lives, right. You know, and some of them are good getting married, having a child, changing jobs, moves. These are all things that affect both our stress and our, um, support systems. And so those are things you want to be really aware of is if you are doing something that might change your stress or support system, that might be a good time to reach out and just get a little more help in those things. And I like you mentioned, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's just good awareness to say, if I'm relapsing, where is my stress management? Where's my support system versus I'm a terrible person. 
And I like what you mentioned too. Like these are good changes. These are, these could be adding to your support system. Like the idea of like, you know, um, so I'm getting married and the idea of it, of saying like, you know, adding another person to be a support system and his family and his friends and things like that. That's awesome. That's exciting. That's more people. And some people will look at it on paper and go, that shouldn't add more stress. You're taking away stress because you have more people there, but it can also, in a lot of ways, I've seen people who are in this situation and they end up feeling extremely more stressed because they're like, oh, essentially my center of balance is changing. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing. A center of balance can change because things are being taken away. Right. If you're looking at like those games where you're balancing something and you take away the marbles so that the weight is more distributed, you know, that can definitely change, but also adding things to it changes your center of balance, which we would originally be like, oh, adding should just make it even stronger. No, there's still like a distribution that needs to happen. There's still like, you know, you need to make sure that you're making sure all of the sides are weighing what they need to. So that way that center balance can be better. And so I like that you're mentioning it doesn't have to, we think relapse and we think, oh, it's because you did something bad, right? We often hear it when it comes to addiction. That's a huge, like the big addiction situation. We hear relapse and we think like the worst, like you must've done something awful to have a relapse. But really it could also be the fact of like, I just was not prepared or I wasn't ready or it caught me off guard that a good thing happened. And then I just didn't know how to like balance again. Right. And so it can be a variety of different things. I think Jen, you're going to go a little more into this, but the idea of like, I don't want to say like decriminalizing, but like, you know, like taking the negative effect of a relapse and not always making it into this worst case scenario word and just saying like a relapse is something that we, especially in the scientific world, uses just a common knowledge of, Hey, it's a starting back from the beginning, or it's a, you know, um, you know, having to take a couple steps back kind of thing. It isn't used always as like this, like worst case scenario, but for some reason we've made it into, especially a relapse and a stages of change model as the end of the world, or you've completely failed. And so just being able to identify that and just speak about it in a way that it's like, Hey, this is just a normal step of our life. Everyone goes through them. We all have a relapse moment of some sort. Some are more public than others, but it is just a part of the normal stages of change. Like it's not a part that it's like only some of you will relapse. It's like, no, you all will relapse in some way or another. It's just a matter of what it looks like. Taylor, you haven't said much, so I didn't know. Uh, I just don't want to interrupt anyone. (laughs) Taylor's like, I have a lot of relapses to discuss with everyone. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, again, just kind of separating the word relapse from addiction. I'm not a big believer that everyone has an addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime we're trying to change our behavior or implement a new habit, and we go back to the way we were before, that's what we mean today when we say relapse. Um, the most common things that will lead to uh, going back to old behavior is either a change in our life like moving, a new job, having a baby, getting into a new relationship, getting out of a relationship, any kind of life transition, because as you both have said, our center has shifted. And then the second most common, oh, go ahead, Jen. 
I just want to add one of the, we've been talking about life transitions, but one of the things it can be an emotional transition, it could be it's working on something in therapy or going through processing trauma. So it may not be a physical transition that everyone can see. It could just be an emotional transition of like, I'm trying to hold a new boundary or those kinds of things. Those That's what I was going to say is the second most common reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just like, we didn't talk. Yes, about you did. <laughs> Taylor's feeling kind of angry. Yeah. Uh, so anytime we're feeling something more than we can tolerate, then we're going to have a relapse. And um, interestingly, the thing that leads, the emotion that leads to relapse most often is joy, is happiness, which seems very counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. I think that's I, I I think that's interesting and I'm like going, how does that do it? So one of the things that I as I was thinking about relapses, when you're in maintenance, a a relapser or a, a you know, I'm going back and doing this to me is that's information like, oh, I must be really stressed. So like I said, and the progress that I've made, if I'm like suddenly like all I can think about is, you know, sugar or something like that. And I feel like that will fix all my problems, even though I know it doesn't. But it tastes delicious. But it does taste delicious. <laughs> um, but that to me is a sign. And I'll, I, I've started to say, okay, what's going on? Where's my stress? Like, where do I need to add mindfulness or self-care? Um, to my life so that I can readjust. And that's a big part of it. It's not about there's something wrong with me. It's about saying, okay, I need to revisit what was working and why right now it's not working for me and add a lot of those tools and be in that consistent process. I see this with clients um, and I'm sure Haley and Taylor do too, when they go through like trauma anniversaries, Mm. right? So it's interesting that they'll be going along and everything's good. And all of a sudden I'll talk to them and they're like, I have no idea why I'm like completely out of sorts or feeling stressed or I'm sleeping all the time or, and I'll say, well, isn't this the anniversary of this trauma? And they'll be like, yes. And I said, oh, well, trauma anniversaries are real, right? Mm -hmm. They, they really, you really do experience them and they, you, we would need to revisit then maybe things that you were doing when you were actively processing trauma, like daily meditation. Let's increase that for the next week or two while we get through this hard time. Does that mean you need to do that every day? No, this is part of just recovering and saying, this is something I'm still working through. And then as therapists, I say, let's go back and do some touchstone work. Maybe something else has come up because a great sign of working through your trauma is something new arises and it says, Hey, I need help too. So you can do that. And so use those, those return to old behaviors as information. And with a lot of self-compassion of saying, what is this telling me about myself? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a really good thing to notice as well with what you're stating. You're talking about a relapse that we know is just going to happen. A new situation is going to arise that you weren't planning on how to handle. Um, let's say, uh, yeah, let's say, okay, bought a house. Um, you're like, okay, when this happens and this happens, I'll know how to handle the issue. When this happens, you know, you kind of know something new happens that you weren't planning on doing. Like a couple of years back, there was a really huge earthquake here in Utah that people, you know, we've had little earthquakes, but it was like a really big one, right? By Utah, yeah, Utah structures. Yeah. yeah it, it affected structures. There was like a big thing. 
um, a lot of people had not been planning on an earthquake that large to come. Right. So then what happens is that was almost like a, like you said, like a a relapse that happened outside of our control. Right. Mm -hmm. It just happened. And you know what? We didn't look at people go, what idiots. You didn't know there was going to be that big of an earthquake in Utah, even though we never had one. Right. We looked at it and we said, okay, now going forward, we know that that chance could potentially happen again. And I don't want to be caught off guard. So what do I do? Right. Same thing with like when COVID-19 went through and we were talking about like having extra toilet paper in the house or, you know, no one thought, first of all, only in the U S no one else seemed to have this problem. No one thought, oh, we're going to have a pandemic. The first thing to go is going to be toilet paper. Right. And so, you know, it was one of those things where first of all, showed the amazing intelligence of the United States, but also, um, and I'm saying that or the lack sarcastic. of bidets, I was going to say the lack of bidets. But um, being very sarcastic, because that was completely unneeded. But it was one of those things where going forward, I know a lot of people that are like, I always just keep a package in the background just in case, right? And it was, again, that was like, you know, when we're talking about maintaining a stage of change, if it's like, I'm a pretty prepared person, I know how to do this. Something happens outside of my control, puts me back into a relapse situation where it's like, all of a sudden, I'm, I don't know how to be prepared. What's going on? That helps me be able to then know what I need to do to continue to be in a maintenance of whatever cycle I want to be in, right? So again, these are things that aren't always in our control, sometimes are completely outside of it. (laughs) And so it's one of those things where, you know, just to be aware of, that's a natural process, just another, you know, illustration of how this happens to everyone and how we just need to, like Taylor said, take it away from this idea of like always this addiction model and put it into this idea of, especially with stages of change. Like I get the word can be used in many, many different ways, but maintenance and relapse and things like that. That's just part of normal human behavior. I think a lot of people are worried about um, either acknowledging that they return to old behavior. So they say, no, that doesn't count, or I'm giving myself a pass. Mm-hmm. And that uh, really That's pulls people shame. out of maintenance. Yeah, it's shame or shamelessness, which is the same thing. Um, or they're worried that they will define themselves or be defined by it as if, uh, you know, completely hypothetical situation that they had like thrown up over three rows in front of them at the theater. Again, completely yeah. hypothetical situation that probably doesn't get brought up at every family gathering. <laughs> Sounds like a personal moment for Taylor. It's a trauma anniversary. I was going to say, talk about that. And, uh, um, but uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Man and Superman. says, the only man who behaved sensibly was my tailor. He took my measure and knew every time he saw me, whilst all the rest went on with their old measurements and expected them to fit me. It's incredibly hard to just take ourselves a day at a time and just try to be better than we were the week before, the month before, the year before, because a lot of people will just assume we're the same people that they thought we were in in high school or college or whenever they knew us. Mm-hmm. And so we try to hide that we've returned to old behaviors, even if it was just one time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that it's great that you're noticing just, yeah, that change. It's part of our growth. It's a good thing. <laughs> we should love it. I really love that quote. I don't think I had heard that. That's a really, it's a really good, good book. Yeah. 
Well, and one of the things as we wrap up today is to, I really want to encourage a lot of self-kindness and compassion, right? The, the only way to move forward is to accept when we stumble and get back up. And when life changes and things happen, right? If you see yourself return to an old behavior, do not say I have failed. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to say, I am experiencing increased stress on my system. What would I need to do to relieve that stress so I could continue to move on with my goals? That is not called failure. That is called humanity. And if we can go to the common humanity of the change process, we we remove a lot of that shame and we move forward and we're going to see people progress versus like Haley mentioned before, over-identify with their faults. And now we're done with stages of change. You've made it. <laughs> yeah, there's even a punch card every time we finish one of these. We should get a free sub. Be like, <laughs> every time you listen to all the episodes in one of these series, you get a free mental health credit. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yes. Collect 30 and you'll be completely healthy. Um, <laughs> like a Mario game. Oh my gosh. It's like little gold coins. Ding, ding, ding. Well, we're excited going forward, seeing some new topics. Let us know if you need anything. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Fate Resilience. We would love to hear from you.